1: Good morning. I want to I want to start this morning with a question of have you ever been in a fight? Have you ever been in a fight? Question we all chuckle cuz at some point in our lives we've probably been in some type of fight. The reality of it is folks, we're in a fight today. Been been on my mind and my heart for several weeks now. Had a gentleman that I highly respect ask me the other day why I didn't feel it important to talk about the political mess we're in or the mandates or why this and why that. And something struck me when he said that that morning. That I only got one fight. Only got one fight left. Regardless of what's going on anywhere around us, we got one fight left. The battle's already been won, folks. We all know that. However, we got one fight left, and it's for that person to our right and to our left that don't know Jesus Christ. That's our fight. Because that's the opportunity that we have every day is to witness for Him. That's the fight we need to be worried about. The other fight will take care of itself. God, God's already won that fight. We already know that. So we need to take our efforts and find those that are still looking for Christ and give them the opportunity through us to find Him. That's the fight right there, guys. All this other stuff is just hogwash, simple as I can make it. And so in, in the last few weeks and a month, probably I've changed my attitude about all of that other stuff going on around me because the reality of that is I got one fight left. Whether it be God comes back, sends Jesus back tomorrow or the next day or the next day or whenever it is His turn to send Him back down here to take me home and everybody else that's a believer, i got one fight left. And that's my point today, guys, is we got one fight left and that is to take our knowledge of Christ and share it with others. That's it. All of it else doesn't matter doesn't matter. So think about that today as you take communion. Our most gracious, heavenly Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you and we praise you, Father God, for the opportunity that we have to worship. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we, we have to share you, witness for you, that there might be others that go to glory with us. Father, we thank you and we praise you for all that you you do for us. We thank you and praise you for all that you're going to do. And, Father, we just ask now that you continue to watch over us, guide us, and direct us in all that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: No one could have predicted the financial crisis that COVID would cause. I mean, two years ago we were sitting here, we were looking at 2020. We were looking at things were going good, economy was good. Things are gonna, you know, we're we're looking at a fresh decade. Everything's were everything was looking up. Now businesses, families have been hit hard, and I know many have hurt. So I'm hesitant, but. I got a little personal uh, good financial news, and I want to share it with you. This week, I got an email from the Office of the Senate of the Republic of Nigeria, and they're going to deposit $4 million in my account as soon as I give them some very personal and private information. And and I just want to share with you guys this, I'm going to tithe on it. You're going to see our numbers one week, boom, an extra 400 grand in there, man. Do you ever wonder why all of those emails exist? Do you ever wonder why there's so many calls for, for an extended warranty and all these other things that are going on in their life? Because it illustrates America's favorite idol, an idol called More." It's the premise of almost every TV show. Certainly every game show. At the end of this 30 minutes, somebody is going to come out of here with more. But it expands. It's even more than, than just the game shows. It's The Voice. It's America's Got Talent. It's The Bachelor. It even breaks over into sitcoms and different things that, that you're going to, if you'll laugh and you'll do the right thing, then you're going, to, somebody's going to have more. We had a show called America, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I mean, is that the most American show that's ever existed? Who wants to be a millionaire? The answer to that question is all of us. You know what I doubt we'll ever see? Who wants to be an inner city social worker? How come we don't see those shows? Do you realize that in the United States alone, there are over 48,000 self-storage units? That's over a billion square feet of space for us to put more stuff it's we have too much stuff in our place so we have to get another place to put more stuff in it because we have too much stuff it's a 14 billion dollar a year industry and if you own them fantastic man i'm proud of you it's great i'm not mad it didn't even exist 40 years ago and that's a very american thing friends in france and germany look at us go You have a a what? An extra place to put your junk? You have too much junk. Uh, That's their answer to all of it. Here was another fun one. In the United States alone, in just last year, just in 2020, think about that, in the pandemic, in 2020 in the United States, we printed, addressed, and shipped 11 billion catalogs. And you got a lot of them. And then your trash can got a lot of them. 11 billion catalogs, because we believe the American way is everything will be better with a little bit more. What we really need is more Jesus. We're in this series called American Idols. We're looking at the idols and the idolatry of our heart. Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. If you want to turn there with us, if you're joining us online or on the radio, welcome to Central Christian Church. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus has an encounter that illustrates this idol was there, but it is very, very prevalent in our society. In, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17... As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I want you to see a couple of things about this guy. We call him the rich young man or the rich young ruler. We don't even know his name. He never gets a name in Scripture. And he is obviously a follower of Jesus because... or Excuse me, a follower. He's probably raised in a Jewish family because he knows the commandments. He says, I followed them since I was young. So he's been brought up in this. In fact, he ran up to Jesus. If you look, he fell and he bowed down before Jesus, called him good teacher or rabbi. So he had some Jewish background in him. He was a good guy. I've gone to synagogue all my life. I'm a pretty good guy. I obeyed them all. Then verse 21, I hope you get this. This one just jumped off the page at me. At 21, in some of the versions, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. You need to understand this. This was never a judgment. This was never a, I hate all you rich people. It was never that. He loved this guy, but he saw that he had a problem. He came to Jesus. And this may be the only time in Scripture this happens. I, I really haven't been able to find any other. He came to Jesus and he left sadder. That's, that's weird. Usually people come to Jesus and they, they have sight and they, their leprosy is healed. And this guy walks away sad. Now, why would anyone choose the God of more over Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because the God of more has a really good public relations department. They have really good sales pitches in the God of more. The God of more promises security. You'll be secure. Now remember, a, an idol, a functional God is somebody that we, we don't, may, may not bow down to, but we mentally trust that it's going to take care of us. And it becomes a functional God, little g God. And this functional God promises you'll be secure if you just trust me. With more, you can control your future. Listen to me now. If you've got more money, then you don't need to worry about what happens on Wall Street. If you have all of the right people, then you can control the elections. If you have the right app on your phone, then you don't have to worry about the weather. Everything is secure when you have more. The God of more will promise you influence because those with little count little you need to get more the more you get the more you matter then people will listen to you and people will vote like you and people will think like you and everything will be hunky-dory because you have value what is really interesting is the god of more sells us that our worth is tied to our net worth but the bible tells us our identity is in christ i no longer live but christ lives in me okay the bible tells us our identity is christ the world tells us our identity is in how much stuff we have do you realize what we're doing we're giving the attributes that god deserves to stuff we're giving praise and worship to stuff the god of more promises so many things but maybe the biggest thing it promises it promises happiness i love this ad Uh, that's the most recognized logo on the planet so if you drink that you're gonna open happiness it's simple uh, simple equation and and that's just that's just our culture i most of you know i kind of like marketing advertising i'm I'm fascinated with it do you realize that in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic in america alone 240 billion dollars was spent on advertising they're estimating this year it's going to be $280 billion. We are the culture that coined the phrase, He who dies with the most toys wins. That's America right there. That's for you. That's our best. We, we believe in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. <laughs> this culture has more than any other culture in the history of the planet. We have more of more. Then let me ask you this question. If we have so much more and everything is about more, why can't we, in the words of the Rolling Stones, can't get no satisfaction? Why are we not satisfied? I'll tell you why. Because worshiping the more God is like drinking salt water. The more we drink, the more we consume, the more we acquire, the more our thirst to acquire more grows. I'll tell you who understood this. A guy named Solomon. Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 said this. You can write this down if you want. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. <laughs> That's straight out of Scripture right there. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. Friends, just because we have a rich purse doesn't mean we have a rich purpose. Our purpose and our identity needs to be in Jesus. How many of you have ever bought something online? You've, you've ever purchased something or you've heard these ads, if not completely satisfied, return for a hundred percent. Have you ever done this? How many done this? Can I just tell you, I think that's the most bogus claim on the planet. In what have you ever been completely satisfied? Your car? Your house? The weather? It's kind of a gimme around here, alright? That's an easy one to not be satisfied with. Your spouse? Your, this church? In what are we completely satisfied? Friends, we were built for Eden. That's what we were designed for. We lost that. And I don't think we're ever going to find satisfaction until Jesus comes and and there is the new heaven and the new earth. And we've got to get our eyes on that. Because the more God promises a lot, but delivers way less. You know what He delivers? He delivers financial bondage. That's why we believe so much in Financial Peace University here. Franklin and Marie have taught it for years. Gowan and Caitlin are teaching it now. Our worship of more has made us borrowaholics. FPU is a, a class that we encourage people to be a part of so that you control your money instead of your money controlling you. We need to be free to do much more with us. I read this this week the average income tax filer last year, the average income tax filer pays ten times more in interest than they give to charitable causes. Ten times more in interest than charitable causes. And I'll be real blunt. I think this idolatry has, de- has destroyed more marriages than infidelity. The idolatry of more hurts us why didn't in mark chapter 10 why didn't jesus run after the rich young man why didn't he just go hey 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 okay i get it yeah, okay that was really more for shock value how about how about you sell some of your things and you give a big donation to my ministry how about that how about he, why didn't he make a deal with him why didn't he wrestle with him a little bit do you realize jesus talked more about money than he did any other subject except the kingdom of god one-sixth of his statements, one-third of his parables, all deal with the God of more. And I think the reason he didn't chase after that rich young ruler is because Jesus knows that his chiefest rival for the throne of our hearts is more. It's the biggest rival. You see, the rich young ruler said, I've followed all the commandments, but actually he didn't. He violated the first one. We talked about the first one last week. No other gods before me. And he had put something else in place. But in Luke chapter 19, there's another story with another guy that has exactly the same problem. His name is Zacchaeus we know this story we know the little song we know he climbed up he's short he's a midget he looks up in the tree jesus comes and tells him hey we're going to your house to eat who goes and eats at his house with jesus bunch of other tax collectors bunch of other unmentionables it upsets the the church people because he's eating with them sinners and everything now here's what happens i don't know what the conversation was in that house i wish i did when i get there i'm gonna ask him all right what what really happened around the table i want to know i wish there was a record of that conversation we don't know what was said but we know what happened next zacchaeus climbs up on the table and he says you know what from this day forward i'm giving half of everything i have to the poor and and everybody that i cheated you come find me i'm paying you back four times what i owe you which is really interesting on a couple of things Law only said he had to pay back twice. He went way overboard. He he paid, paid back four times. And do you realize what he does in that one speech? He quit his job. He torpedoed his finances. And he'd really destroyed his future. Because before he was a tax collector, so the Jews didn't want him around. Now he's bailed on the tax collectors. They don't want him around there's nobody's going to want him the jews are not going to go oh look at you you repented come on back uh-uh, no way you you ripped us off we don't trust you he's not going to have any friends he's not going to have any income he's not going to have anything about his life and he gave it all up in one two minute speech and jesus says today salvation has come to this house now let me ask you did zacchaeus buy his salvation No. You know what he did? He smashed his idol. The rich young ruler and Zacchaeus are the exact same story with the exact same problem. One of them walks away sad. The other one walks away poor but rich. You hearing me? But I want you to understand it's not all doom and gloom. There is some things that I want you to have more of. I want us to be more contented. More of contentment. The answer is not necessarily to get more. It's to desire less. But I want you to join me in Philippians chapter 4. Turn to Philippians 4.11. If you're not writing it down or scroll it through on your app. Philippians 4.11. I want you to get this because this jumped off the page at me this week. Contentment is not natural. Contentment, it is a learned behavior. Listen to Paul. He's talking to the church in Philippi that has been oppressed. He says this, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secrets of full tummies and empty tummies. I've I've had friends like me. I've had friends beat me. He knows all the situations, but what is that big word? I learned contentment learned behavior it's not by getting more it's by thinking differently it's by changing our thinking so we're going to play a little game all right you're going to have a little audience participation time this game is called it could be worse all right so we're going to say this together when, all together out loud ready one two three it could be worse. much better give yourselves a thousand points all right so you're going to leave here in a few minutes all right you're going to get in your car, and you're going, to, you're going to go out to your car, all right? But right next to you, or a couple of cars over, there might be a nicer car. There might be, wow, man, that's a nice suburban. Oh, look at the, look at that truck. Oh, that's, man, those are really pretty cars. And you're going to look at those, and you're going to get in your car. You're going to put your keys in there, to, and then together we are all going to say, it could be worse. Do you realize two-thirds of the planet will never own a car? My brother went to, uh, when I was in college, he went to Russia. He spent all, almost a month behind the Iron Curtain doing a documentary. And he was talking to some people over there. And they asked him, do you have a car? And he said, yeah, I have this kind of car. And then he and dad had bought a kind of a convertible. And they were restoring it. And he said, well, I have these. And these, these, all these guys were like, you have two cars? Yeah. You can't drive them both at the same time. That's dumb. They didn't even understand that, that we had two of something they didn't even have. You're going to get in your car, and you're going to drive to your house. Now, when you're driving to your house, you might pass one of those other neighborhoods. Man, that's a pretty house. Look at that brick. Look at that manicured yard. You're going to pull up, and you're going to pull in your driveway, and you're going to say, Because if you have food in the fridge, clothes on your back, and a roof over your head, you are richer than 75% of the world. A red one this week says, if you have money in your bank, money in your wallet, a dish on your nightstand that has a few coins in it, if you have had the opportunity to eat two meals or more in a day, you are in the top 8% of income earners on planet Earth. By show of hands, how many of you will have the opportunity today to eat at least twice? All right? Pretty good chance, most of us, maybe three and, you know, second breakfast and and fourth snacks. And, you know, I mean, we've got opportunities. Do you realize 68% of the world lives on one meal a day? It could be worse. You're going to drive your car. You're going to go to your house, and then you're going to get there, and you're going to see your spouse. You know, he's lost a little hair. She may have gained a pound. And you're going to say, no, you're not going to say that. Do not say that. I don't have time for all that divorce court, all right? But some of you are going to think it. And then you're going to blame me. Don Don told me. uh. (laughs) September of 2020, Science Magazine published a study by the University of of British Columbia and Harvard with this title. Can money buy happiness? They had studied over 3,000 people for seven years. And they asked this question, can money buy happiness? They found, after seven years of study, no marginal register of improved happiness just by getting more money. They took families that had $45,000 income and they jumped them to over $100,000 income. And they saw saw no market improvement in their marriage, no market improvement in their home. In fact, if anything, they added more stress to the home. But they did find money and happiness do have a correlation. They discovered it's not in having more, but it's in how you spend what you have. They said as little as $5 per day given away measurably increases a person's happiness. Sending kids to church camp, buying mac and cheese for goofy mac and cheese mountain, supporting people that are going to the Dominican Republic, seeing people struggling putting money in the red kettle, which is going to be here way faster than anybody thinks. By doing that, you are adding to your happiness. When you control your money and you get to do with it what you want, it gives you more happiness. So, so follow me here. The most esteemed university in our country, let's be honest, Harvard, okay, and one of the most esteemed in Canada, the University of British Columbia, Publish a seven-year study in a very esteemed science magazine, and this is what they came up with. It is better to give than to receive. Seems like somebody said that a couple of thousand years ago already. It seems like that's what Jesus said. Friends, if your life is centered on getting more in this world, your joy will always be contingent. And you'll realize that any day now, somebody could take it from you. Whatever the headlines are, whatever popular things are going on, whatever culture says. The Hebrew writer was writing to people. In chapter 13, he said, Your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Spirit, come fall on us. Be in this place. Rest on us. The songs we sing about how much better God's ways are. The Christ follower has learned that no matter what the headlines are tomorrow, no matter what mandates come down the road, no matter what is happening politically, our God is with us today. And Wes is 100% right. The fight that matters is do they know Jesus? We need to point people to Jesus. Now, I'll be straight up honest with you. The more serious we are about our joy coming from the real God, the weirder we're going to look to the world. We're just going to look like freaks. Because that doesn't compute with the world. That We're not trying to get more money. We're trying to push more money out. We want to make a difference. We want to use the money we have to impact lives. got an article from a, a lady named Robin Choate. She is a Christian, she is a blogger, and she is a garage sale queen. Anybody in the house? Garage sailors? Yay, yay, yay. I love it. All right, she was going to an estate sale, and she was wandering through the house, and in the back room, under some coats, she found a box, she opened it up, and it was a saxophone, pretty good shape. She went and bought it for twenty bucks and almost immediately had that, you know, that buyer's remorse. Anybody ever had that? Oh man, I shouldn't have done this. I probably got taken on this. I wasted twenty bucks. So she calls her husband on her cell phone, said go get on eBay. Here's the numbers. Look this up, see what it's worth. Well he looks and he can't find anything so she's just kind of sick about it right she's just oh i just got ripped off i shouldn't have done this It was dumb she's starting to walk out of the house and an older man meets her at the door and says hi ma'am." hi he said i noticed you bought that i i was watching that and i was thinking about buying that man i don't mean to be rude but i'll i'll pay you double what you paid for it if you'll let me have that <laughs> she says wait i get rid of this and i made 20 bucks now that never happens all right you go to the garage sale and made money. All right, that, was un- that was insane. She made 20 bucks before she ever got out of the house. Woohoo, I'm living large. I made it. This is good. She goes back home. She's feeling pretty good just for grins. She gets on eBay. And apparently her husband wasn't looking in the right place. And she found three others very similar to it. Even the worst one was selling for 500 bucks, And now she was all sick again for a different reason. Oh, man, I could have made a fortune on that. That would have been great. You know, I could have turned quickly. And she was sick and she was mad. And then she felt guilty for being mad. And her preacher that week had preached on 1 Thessalonians 5 to 18. Be thankful in all circumstances. Say that together. Be thankful in all circumstances. So she went home and she wrote it on Post-it notes and started putting it up on her mirror and memorizing it. And every time she started feeling those pangs of guilt or, you know, I will be thankful in all circumstances. A few weeks later, she's in another garage sale. She's looking around, and she sees that old man. He hadn't seen her yet. So she's, she said, I'll be honest, those pangs of, uh, he 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 got me. Oh, I wish I'd have made that money on that thing, but it's going to be okay. And so she starts to walk away, and the older man sees her and says, well, have you found any treasures today? She said, no, I'm about to go on home. And then he stops her, and he says, ma'am, can... I just want to say thank you for your generosity. She said, generosity? When I met you at that, at that uh, estate sale, I'd been walking around. See, I recently retired, and, and just a few months ago, my, my wife passed away. And so I'm widowed, and I've been wandering around lost. I just didn't know what to do, and I just happened to be out that morning. And I saw that saxophone, and I remember I used to play that, and I used to love music. So I got it, and because of your generosity, I went home. I've been playing every day, and it's just given me so much joy. In fact, I've talked to some in the neighborhood, in our local school. This fall, I'm going to be teaching lessons. Your generosity has given me hope. And she ends the article with this statement. I thought that old man stole my blessing. Turns out that old man... Was my blessing, friends. Lasting joy will never be found in things that don't last. The Hebrew writer is speaking to people that lost everything for Jesus. When they signed up for Jesus, their Jewish friends didn't want them. The Romans didn't want them. Nobody wanted them, and they got they lost business. They lost money. They they gave up everything. And this is what he says in Hebrews chapter ten. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Listen closely now. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Better. His ways are better. You are better. I have tasted and I have seen. You are better than all these things. Friends, the one that dies with the most toys still dies. And then they meet God. And when you stand before God, the things that will matter won't be things. It will matter did you fight the right fight. Did you talk to your neighbors? Did you impact them? Did you use the money that you had to impact others? Because an owner says it's mine. A steward says, I'm just taking care of it. God has called us to be stewards. This is not about guilt for you better put more in the plate. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's the question we asked last week. What is second in your life? Because that's the thing that is competing for first. And way too many times, that God of more calls us. The God called more will never measure up to the true God. We need to name our American idols. And we need to smash them. Here is where I lay it down. Here is is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. Friends, if you've never surrendered, this needs to be the time. Going to church is not what this is about. We love having you here. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to be truly surrendered to Jesus so that He has control of your money. He has control of your time. He has control. Will you surrender? That's the challenge today. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. Connect with us. Visit
2: our website at centralwired.org.